Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, returning guest. His name is Sean McCann. Last name is spelled M-C-C-A-N-N. And we talked about three weeks ago about another a movie, an occult movie that I've researched. And he's also researched titled The Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp. And uh, I've covered that in my film, my documentary, Occult Hollywood. You can see that on Vimeo. I'll put the screen... Uh, the link to that film in there. But today we're going to talk about another very important, influential film made 1999 by Stanley Kubrick titled Eyes Wide Shut. And uh, there's so much in this film. They really uh, packed in so many overlaying themes and subject matter. And the timing was really incredible. And I think it was the longest film shoot in history, Eyes Wide Shut. It was 400 yeah. days. So like they spent forever filming it. Um, we're going to try to do a multimedia presentation, but I know about this film. I know about Traum Novell, which it was based on, yes. uh, was the contemporary of Sigmund Freud. His name was Arthur Schnitzler. And, uh, I've read through it. It's, it's very much like the film, very sexually charged. And Schnitzler was kind of a weirdo. Uh, he was a lot like Freud, actually. I'll put a picture of him up here right now. If you're looking on YouTube. Um, this is our, and his, his was called dream story, but Schnitzler, his personal life, like he recorded all of his sexual, you know, in the involvement. And he was just really very much a lot like the film was involved, but Schnitzler was a contemporary of Freud and just kind of a weird dude. But one of the interesting, um, finds that I had when I was researching Crowley is Crowley was in this magazine writing in the United States called The International. And uh, he wrote for Fatherland and The International. But this is actually really one of the fascinating things from the cover of The International. If you can see here, there's all kinds of loaded things you can see on, on there. The International Price, 15 cents, was published August 1917. But you see Flowers by Arthur Schnitzler. And then you see Fellow Dissay by Aleister Crowley right there with the swastika. And then The Revival of Magic by the Master Therion, who was Aleister Crowley as well, Hi. writing under a pseudonym. And Lewis Wilkinson was one of Crowley's uh, compatriots as well. So it's uh, so just an interesting research find going back to Arthur Schnitzler. And, I mean, people know this movie because of the infamous kind of occult sequence in it, the elite occult sequence, um, the occult ritual. And uh, But that's there's a lot more going on in this film than just that. There's many. It's super occult. There's all kinds of occult symbology in the film, some known, some unknown. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think it was released July 16, 1999, so it's in those other occult-themed films like we talked about last time, which was The Ninth Gate, but also Fight Club. And uh, the one by uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, which is right, kind of the, the end of days, yeah, I end of days. So, yeah, those were all 1990. It's actually probably more than that. Uh, also, there's a, just suspicious stuff about this film because Kubrick uh died, I think, after this. So, he um, yeah, he passed I, away. My understanding is that this edit that was made for the public also was not his edit. He always wanted kind of directorial control, and uh, the original 
people. Maybe Sean knows more about. More yeah, about than I do. But hold on, just like okay. I also did another. Uh, I put it up on my podcast. I did an interview with uh, James Fenwick, titled "Stanley Kubrick Produces." So this will be in a sequence of kind of Stanley Kubrick themed um, subject matter and uh, films. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of real things involved in this. There's just so much here. The the Rothschild Mansion, German Jewish themes. I mean, it just goes on and on. They 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 spent a lot of time and did a lot of thinking when they put this book together. But uh, just let me know when you're ready, Sean. I know you're working on something else. But yeah, I'm. I was trying to upload my photos. Um, I'm sorry to the audience. I had them saved as PNG as instead of JPEG, and for some reason this StreamYard doesn't like me to upload. And I even tried to upload the JPEGs. It doesn't allow it. So. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm sending you a link to a Wii transfer, which takes like a large file. And if it works, maybe you can open it. If not, we can just talk through it. We no, just talk just it out. Send it over here. What uh, did you, where is it by email? Yeah, I'm sending, I'm going to put the link here in the chat of the StreamYard and then you can open it with your, uh, with your browser. It'll take a couple minutes to download. But um, for people, I mean, how did you uh, become interested in this particular film? Well, um, I'm I'm a photographer uh, growing like most of my adult years have been uh, focused on photography and the art of photography. And like um, that's really where I where I get my jollies is looking at photographs. And um, Kubrick is a photographer. He started as a photographer as a teenager. His father taught him how to use a camera. They had a dark room in their house. And um, that, like learning photography and learning um, chess, his father taught him how to play chess as well, really influenced his entire life for the rest of his life. And uh, as a teenager, he was hired by Look Magazine. And he uh, there was one... One photograph which got him this this job at Look Magazine, and it was a newsstand where there was a sad newspaper seller, and the newspaper said FDR dies, and that is a famous photograph by Kubrick. Uh, because of that, they were like, you're hired, because it's so emotional and emotive, and it's compositionally perfect, and he did that when he was still a kid, and so like they, you know, as working at the magazine, he learned and grew. And, um, and then he eventually, you know, uh, photography is, is still photograph and films are just lots of still photographs all lined up. So it really is not, there it is. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, that photograph there is what got him his job. That's what started his whole career. Um, that image there, Roosevelt died. And, um, so me being a lover of photography and, um, I've always, you know, I always loved movies too. I'm always watching movies. And so as I've learned, as I learn more about photography, I'm watching Kubrick and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like every shot is amazing, every frame. And so it just, my love grew and grew. And um, over the years, I've had these movies and I've just watched them over and over again. And um, Eyes Wide Shut, it became extremely interesting to me once I started to, understand the reality of satanic ritual abuse and the na the nature of occultism and the dark elite i get well 
they're not really elite you know how you know what i mean but the the dark overlords that rule our world and what uh how they think and what they do and um i see that this eyes wide shut is a revelation of that where i believe kubrick was um an artist who was who was hired for his talent he wasn't he didn't grow up in these families where he was abused as a child and then you know uh ceremonial ceremonial magic where they you know abuse and they traumatize the brain they were using i mean he was he was just a talent that they took advantage of as best they could and um he did have rights where uh he owned the lat where he would do the final edit of his of his films uh, he worked that out in the beginning of his career. Uh, um, and, and sorry to interrupt, but if you well, listen and read the book, uh, Stanley Kubrick produces, it's a different angle on his career, but you, he was a very savvy negotiator, very intelligent from the very beginning when he was raising money from family members to make his earlier films. Yes. But he was always getting trying to get the best deals behind the scene. And that was a part of He really was a filmmaker and producer, Right. And some people have critiqued him because his meddling in the back, not meddling, his involvement in the day-to-day -day production element, yeah. some people argue, took away from his creative output. So. He does, he can do everything. He he can do the lighting, he can do the editing, like, they're just there to help him, really. I mean, um, He really is an auteur. He knew it all. Right. Yeah, and he was autodidactic. He learned it all himself, and and he wanted to be thrifty. I mean, he uh, it was very consciously minded of the of the cost and what it takes to create and put it all together. So the way that he set it up, he set it up so that he had the most time for film filming. And um, you know, a lot of the movies back then they would spend all this money on the sets and the costumes and the makeup and all that. And he would really focus on the filming and the time that it takes because he wanted to allow for there to be as much film as possible. He said, there was a quote I heard him uh, where he said that uh, someone was describing his opinion and uh, they said, it's, it's funny that the, the cheapest thing in making a movie is actually filming it. You know, all the actors cost money, all the everything else costs money. But the cheapest thing is actually capturing the film. And he says, isn't it funny that everybody spends all this money setting up this huge set and all this makeup? And then they take three or four shots, three or four takes and they're all right, we're done. He says, that's crazy. So he that he like you said, it's the Eyes Wide Shut was the longest filming of any film <laughs> it broke records and that's because he wants to allow for there to be um happy accidents and then he can incorporate those into the final and if if he pushes he does he pushes his actors really hard um and uh wendy from the shining was was crying so much because she was being yelled at by kubrick the whole time um the it guy was, who was supposed to play uh, uh, what was his name? The main Ziegler, the guy quit. He was like, Wait, right. he's done, right? He was done with yeah. Kubrick. He said, right. What's the point of me walking through the door five times? 
Yeah. yeah, I forgot what his name was. It was uh, was it Keitel? Was it Harvey Keitel? Keitel? Yeah, Harvey, yeah, Harvey was supposed to play the Ziggler. Right, right. But I mean, um, the I forget the guy that that did play Ziggler. It was uh, the, he was a director as well. He's a director uh, too. Yes. Um, yeah, he was. Everybody, like, I'm sorry, I don't know. Everybody listening already knows, and they're all like, "Why don't you know?" <laughs> it'll, it'll come to me. It's yeah, uh, it'll, but that he revered Kubrick, and he loved Kubrick, and he would do anything to be working with Kubrick, and he's so thankful. Whereas Harvey Keitel has an ego, and he, whatever you know, most actors at that point were like very happy to work with Kubrick. Sidney Pollock. Sidney Pollock. Thank you. Yes. And he's great. He, he, he did an amazing job. I think he couldn't, I don't think uh, Kytel would have been able to do a better job than Sidney Pollack. And um, so Sidney Pollack uh, describes how Kubrick would, um, there's a, there was a um, documentary film called Kubrick's last film. And I had it in my podcast. I took clips, clips from it where um, Sidney Pollack is describing Kubrick's uh, method of filming and he'll he'll just you know he'll run it through again and again and then he has film like not film but videotape he shoots everything with videotape first he doesn't even run the film and then he sits down with the actors and he says i like this what you did here and i like that you know keep doing that he's not telling them specifically like tap on the on the ball you know on the pool table with the ball like but when that stuff occurs it it triggers in his mind oh yeah that fits and then he uses it so like that's how he that's how he achieves all of these synchronistic moments in the film which seem almost um all there are uncanny like in the shining you'll you'll see these moments where everything fits and like um they'll talk about in room 237 the documentary where um, the Calumet cans were positioned just so, so that you could read the word and then you think about what the word is. It's a peace pipe, you know, it's like a peace meeting between, and, and then that relates to the story as we're watching, you know, so these little elements fit together to create a more cohesive piece, like um, nothing in the shot is random. Uh, because of his photography skills, he sees the whole frame and he, in, and he thinks about exactly everything. So as we go through, um, if here, I'll send those to you now. Okay. Um, but you just see that progression through his film. So Eyes Wide Shut is meticulous. Like everything is, in, it seems intentional. There's nothing in the background. It's clearly a set piece in a lot of those places, whether it's not in the main mansion, but even... On those streets, it's clearly like a yes. The street, lot, right? So. The streets are a uh, are a soundstage. soundstage, and there's like one clip where they run like a green screen behind Bill Harford, and that is um, that is uh, a like um, it's just to establish that he's walking through the red light district of New York, and they get like a a clip of one of the dirty um one of the um, pornographic shops. And so they put it behind him in a green screen so that it, it places the viewer in New York, but then the rest of it is all on a film stage. And there are some spots where he'll leave Gillespie's, which is this uh, jazz bar. 
And then he gets in a taxi and he drives across town. And then when he gets out of the taxi, he's at Milich's rainbow fashions. But if you look in the reflection of the window, you see Gillespie's right behind him. Like he didn't need wow. to take a taxi. It's a, it's a soundstage, you know? So he's playing a Kubrick is deliberately playing around with time with space, right? Yeah. He did that in the shining too. The way that um, everything is kind of, I mean, I suspect that with eyes wide shut, he did that for, for cost purposes because like you can only have so big of a soundstage and, but, um, you know, and we can, and we can talk more about, uh, rainbow fashions and, and, uh, so anyway, there's let, a lot to talk about. I mean, yeah, do you want me, I, I can set up like the main gist of what, yeah. So what send me, I send me your images. I mean, I okay. have tons of stuff too. I have, I can show clips of the end. Okay. I see the link here. Okay. There's I can a show link. clips of the end. I've got all kinds of screenshots. Good. Um, so I can, um, I even have the timestamps of what each screenshot is that I that I put in there. So like we can we can walk through with just the timestamp, but that might be that might take a while for you to bring it up and to find that spot. It's easier to just click through. I tried to make it easy and have a bunch of images prepared. I'm sorry that this. Uh, it's okay. You know yeah. So the main gist of Eyes Wide Shut, what Kubrick is telling us is not just the elite are a bunch of perverts you know they're what they're really doing is what he's really doing is telling us what the elite are doing when they're being perverted like everybody knows they're a bunch of perverts right everybody knows they use blackmail and you know we all know about epstein and that whole thing but kubrick is actually showing us what is happening um it's kind of you have to really look to see it but it's all there so basically the opening shot the very first opening shot of this film is uh, a photograph of well it's it's moving pictures put it it's a scene of um alice the main character alice and she is between two pillars um and she is disrobing from her black dress and she lets it fall to the floor. This is it right here, right? Let's see. Oh, I, I hold on. Let me show that. Sorry. Okay. That's fine. Let me, let me try this. This, this may actually kind of work because I Good. can actually pull up some of these. This is it right here, right? Is that yes. the opening scene? Okay. Yes, it is. Yes, it is indeed. And this actually, um, I learned that this was added to the film. <laughs> after Kubrick died, which is weird. So this there's is like, the pillars, right? So very misleading. The pillars, exactly. The two pillars. And if you and you'll see that she's standing across from a looking glass. She's across from the mirror. And that mirror has an open door. It's so like her name is Alice. And right. she you can go through the looking glass. Right. And if you see in the in the reflection the um the curtains almost take the space of a person there's empty shoes there at the bottom of the reflection whereas her altered personality is standing there in those curtains like it's a uh, it's 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 showing us there's other people like so this is immediately when i look at this i'm like oh alice in wonderland oh yeah that's sra programming they use, you know, the elite use that to layer in programs 
for satanic ritual abuse, trauma-based mind control. Um, I have all your pictures, so they're all working. Good. So you can Beautiful. Yeah, you can see at the top 000037 is the timestamp, and I got a little, okay. So, um, so okay, this is the opening shot. She's between the pillars, and uh, she's Alice through the looking glass. And then if you see the two tennis rackets, the tennis rackets relate to courtly love. Like love is a is related to tennis because of the score and it's played on a court between two people, you know, that um, the stilettos show us what type of like it's um, sex, sexy uh, movie. I mean, it's a sexy story and she is the goddess between the pillars. Um, so clicking through, I guess, let's see if you want to go to dark. You want to go to bill looking through here. Yeah, yeah, we'll go we'll skip over the Bill. naked one. Yeah. yeah, the next one is Bill. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the naked one. Please. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand it's on YouTube. So the next one is Bill is in the dark. Bill is so she was illumined in the light between the pillars. Bill is in the dark and he can't find his wallet. He doesn't understand, he's ignorant, and this is setting up his character. He is a no in the darkness, right? He starts he, off in the ignorant. darkness. Very good, right? Yes. Makes sense. And uh, uh, let's see, moving along. Uh, uh, they're the walking around. They don't know the babysitter's name. Yes, but it shows that they have kind of like upper middle class. Yes, kind of uh, environment. He's a doctor, right? So he's not right. part of the elite. So he doesn't know his babysitter's name. He doesn't even know the name of the person who's going to take care of his daughter. That is right in the very beginning. He's so ignorant to taking care of his family that this is going to play into the future. Like he doesn't even understand what's going on. He's so self-absorbed. So that's a little hint at the future of what he, what kind of person he is. Uh, we the next, the next one. Yeah. When we see Helena. There's Helena right here. Note the mothers has red hair. Helena yes. has red hair. Yes, so that is related to the sacred uh, or the the, um, the scarlet, scarlet woman, scarlet woman, and that exactly relates. I will I will describe further. Uh, the scarlet woman is exactly related to this, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But if you see, uh, Helena is wearing white butterfly wings, so this is um, this is showing the the butterfly is related to. Uh, the human soul and it's related to SRA monarch uh, trauma-based mind control because the soul goes through this treacherous um, torture. And then it, it, it comes out the other side as a butterfly where they think this torture gives certain enhancements to the victim. They can torture them and cause them to have photographic memory cause them to be not tired they can they can uh program different things physically and mentally into these uh victims so, right, so uh, the butterfly is the final stage of the larvae pupae yes. and the butterfly so it yes. goes through that transformation right? exactly and monarch was the word monarch was chosen because um the the children of trauma-based mind control victims are predetermined they like 
You're predisposed. Predisposed to disassoci dissociation. So um, the mother that has been abused will make a baby that will more readily dissociate. Uh, it's a genetic memory thing. And much like how monarch butterflies, it takes like four generations for them to get to Mexico from Canada. And how do they know where they're going? It's like genetic memory. So that's why they give it that name. Wow, that's crazy. That's so, crazy. yeah. So that's why they attack the children of the victims. So it's like a cycle. Like if you read uh, Kathy O'Brien, they stole her kids. If you read Bryce Taylor, they stole her kids. And they use them in the cult just like they use the parents. So that is a hint as to what's going to happen to Helena in the future. If you understand SRA, then this movie makes total sense. So here, it's incredible. This is all layered. There's layers on layers in this film. Yes. It's a lot about relationships, sexuality, occultism, class. There's a lot of things going on. Very anyway. much so. And and um, uh, other pieces of work are used to illustrate themes and ideas in this. Much like here, we say she, we see that she asks if she can stay up to see the Nutcracker. And if you know about the Nutcracker. The Nutcracker is um, Tchaikovsky's uh, first opera or only opera. Well, anyway, it was. It's Tchaikovsky is from the same place that Nabokov is from, the guy who wrote Lolita. Um, it was. Uh, it was played as a duel. It was played with another play at the same time. It was released as two. Uh, the first. The first was uh, the Nutcracker, and then the other. The other play that it was released with was called Iolanta. And Iolanta is kind of reminiscent of Lolita, the way that it sounds. And Iolanta is about a maiden in a garden who this man stumbles upon and falls in love with. And he and she's blind and like she doesn't know she's blind. And this whole there's a lot to it. Basically. But it plays into the theme of Christmas. So they're playing yes. the whole Christmas theme is throughout this whole film. Christmas and then not Christmas. And it's a fascinating backdrop because the, the Christmas theme's there, but there's no Christian no. theology or anything else in this film except right. for the representation. So it's almost like he's saying something about how artificial Christian, I mean, yes, it's some a goddess of these worship. Traditions are, yeah. Right, right, right. So, like, the um, we'll get into that later. It's uh, it's Inanna worship, and uh, um, it's like uh, Inanna, Ishtar, and we'll get into that when we get to the party. We're almost but, there. Uh, I mean, they're growing. Okay. They're gearing up to go to this party, right? Yes. So they're leaving her to go to the party, and she asks to stay up to see the Nutcracker, and also about the Nutcracker. Um, it's there's pedophilia laced into the film uh, or into the story of the nutcracker like the nutcracker is about a pedophile uncle who gives a nutcracker doll to his niece and he's mad because she falls in love with the doll instead of him and then she falls asleep she gets whisked away to this magical land where dolls are people they're alive dolls and if you think about the ritual space, they're all wearing their masks in their robes. They are living dolls. Wow. 
So, wow, and when you teams overlap, wow, that's incredible. Yes. And when you go to Milich's shop later, he says, looks like alive. No. And he's talking about the costumes and his mannequins. And it's like, again, these living dolls, you know, so that she, so she wants to stay up to watch the Nutcracker. And so that relates to maybe that's what in her mind, when she's in her altered state personality, uh, and she's doing the rituals and she's being brought and traumatized. She dreams of being in this place where there are living dolls, right? So moving on, this is the next picture. So we have uh, Alice and Bill entering the party. And on the wall behind Alice, I framed it so that it's right around her head, is the star of Ishtar. Ishtar Inanna. Inanna is a Sumerian version. Ishtar is a Babylonian version of the same goddess. And Ishtar is huge. <laughs> Ishtar is, uh, is Venus. And it relates to um, the underworld. Like Inanna traveled into the underworld and then was like brought up again out of the underworld. Uh, she was there for three days. Uh, much like the Jesus uh, idea. And, um, you know, it, it relates to the, the heavens and how the sun operates with the stars. And so, like, um, all of the, the Lucifer, Venus, all of that stuff of today all relates to Inanna goddess worship of the past. So um, she is the queen of heaven. Uh the first emperor that ever ruled an empire said that he got his name was uh, Sargon of Akkad. He said that he got his power from An or Anu, the sky god, and Inanna. That's where he derived his authority from. So, um, and she is the goddess of uh, political power. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, dude. So, so and, and also, like when worshiping her, you had ritual yes. sex slaves or whatever concubines. Exactly. Or, so yes. you'll see that theme through this whole. So what the ritual of Inanna Ishtar? Uh, what what it is is it, it's called the Hieros Gamos. It's the sacred marriage. So what the people of the cult of Inanna would act out the sexual intercourse of Inanna and Dumuzid every springtime. And that's what Easter is. Ishtar, Easter, is about Tammuz being released from the underworld. He's put it, he's, he's doomed to the underworld for six months out of the year, just like the Persephone Demeter myth of the Greeks. Um, it's the same, but for Mesopotamia, where it explains the seasons. And uh, every year, Dumuzid is released from uh, the underworld, and then when he uh, consummate or fornicates with uh, with Inanna, that releases fertility on the land, and that's that is the reason spring happens according to their religion. So, the um, the high priestess of Inanna's cult would take on the role of Inanna and the king of the of the land or whatever, or the high priest of the land would 
in a ritual have sex together and this would be the this would be the beginning of spring basically right. so, so that you is have the magical coming together sex magic that representation and some people have said that like there's a building of energy up to that and this whole yes. film is one big yeah. building because there's never any completion right. to the sexual act right and at the end the last word that they do you know is they the say word. yeah we should Don't do this it. i want i want but the but last it's word interesting because it's not let's not make love like right. what you know yeah. two married people might say to each other right or something. right 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 but it's yeah. part but of the whole theme of the whole thing exactly it's the theme of the whole and it's a subtext but right. once you decode that the whole movie it makes it makes a lot more sense right Yes. So, I mean, as I'm learning more about SRA, I'm learning more about uh, about what the reality of of what things are. And then I watch Kubrick and I'm like, holy crap, this is all there. It's all there. It's all so, there. yeah, all the SRA stuff, all the mind control stuff, dissociation. Yeah. Uh it's all in this. It's in this film. Yeah. He yes. In 1999. So. so you can see Ziegler is totally enamored with Alice. And then in the next, in the next shot. Uh, Bricklayer, by the way, German translation. Bricklayer. Oh, Mason. Really? Yeah. Mason. You're telling him. You're telling That's him. That's interesting. And well, there's, later the, on the uh, there's the spiral, the Masonic spiral staircases right in the back. So yes. with, with the statue of Psyche. So Kubrick yes. again is putting it all in the frame, right? Right, putting exactly. it all layered in the frame, and it's you know the um, the woman having intercourse with an angel, you know, uh, like, and they think, and they're in their mind, they think they're better than the rest of humanity. You know, there's that whole uh, social Darwinism idea where where they think they are the angel class, and they. You know, they reach down into the, you know. So anyway. They so know they, they're better. They don't think they're better. They yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they say they're better. I don't know if I agree. I'm just okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, it, so now she's asking, do you know anyone here? She's checking to see if he even understands what's happening. She is his handler. She's like, do you even know why they bring us here? And he's like, oh, I'm making jokes. His ego is like, oh, they love me. Uh, I'm here because I'm great. And, uh, and so some of those later ones here might are going to have some nudity. I'm going to warn you. But it, it, I won't play the nudity, but it okay. is interesting. Like the having these relations. Why are we here? Why does Ziegler invite us? There's like right. all this mystery. Like we don't belong here. Exactly. Exactly. And he's like, oh, well, I'm a servant. I do house calls. So that's, you know, that. so basically she is the reason they are there. He thinks it's him, but. You know, and she's making sure that he doesn't He's, even. So Ziegler—that's the subtext. Ziegler is monitoring the Scarlet Woman slash. Yes. Ultra slave. Right. Whatever. Well, the Ziegler. I think that he just doesn't want to give up. He loves her so much. He he just wants her all the time, and he wants her at his party, because it's just like old times when she used to be at the party. Now here you see. Right. It gets She's... deeper because she says something really strange in this whole thing. We can get into that later, but <laughs> she has a dream where she's at the cult ritual, yes. but is never shown at the cult ritual. Sorry. Right. So and I'm kind of getting ahead of you. Sorry. There was the there was a TV version of 
the Schnitzler book. Trom Novell. Yeah, there was a TV version of Trom Novell. And in that, she was at the party. She was wearing a mask. The wife was at the party. Gosh. So, like, that is kind of related. And I didn't get screenshots of that, but Kubrick made exact references to that version of Trom Novell. Like, there's, she's reading from a green book, and like, she, you know, and then the green book is later in Eyes Wide Shut. It's like there are exact visual references, which I should have gotten. I didn't have, I didn't even think of that, but, um, yeah. Anyway, so like Kubrick is is weaving lots of different things in. He's taking the Nutcracker. He's taking the other renditions. Of Alice Trump, in Wonderland, uh, right? Alice in Wonderland, Wonderland theme. Yes, and um, and also uh, Nightingale. We'll see later. Uh, Nightingale relates to the myth of Philomela, and where a woman through is raped and tortured and uh, wishes to turn into a nightingale a bird and that and anytime even it like in Shakespeare from the beginning of time anytime an author uses the term nightingale or refers to nightingale there you see um this character's name is nightingale so Nick nightingale right and he uh the the uh so a nightingale sings at night it like and it sings its most powerful song right before the dawn and uh so like this the nightingale sings a sorrowful lament because it's trying to tell everyone how it like in the story of philomela she um she gets raped and tortured and then she her uh her tongue is removed and her hands are removed much like the shakespeare play titus andronicus um, and where so that she can't tell anyone about her uh, about her plight of what happened to her, and then she weaves a loom that tells the story in a piece of artwork. And her sister, un, like who is the husband or the wife of this dude who raped her, is like, "Oh my God, he did what?" And then they murder his kid, <laughs> and then they serve it to him in a in soup, and so he gets so mad that he was like had to eat his own kid just like in titus andronicus you know titus shakespeare uses this too it's an old story that's being rehashed and um so then he tries to kill these women he's so mad and they pray to the gods to turn them into birds and philomela turns into a nightingale and her sister turns into a uh i forget the other bird but then every time anyone ever mentions nightingale they think of this torture and rape and terrible story that happened to this young maiden so it uh it's a reference to that so just having that in the story and kubrick it's not it was in the book like kubrick didn't add the nightingale it's already there but he accentuates it and uh and then we see so okay moving on next uh there's a lot there i mean this is like a aggregation of so many myths and backstories yeah uh, he's putting it very very richly within kind of mythological framework of the west here so. exactly and thank you for allowing me to like go through it yeah, all. No, no, take your time. it's just dumping up beautiful for two hours i don't care awesome this is great so uh <clears throat> so when she walks into the bar immediately when she gets away from bill she goes and grabs a full glass of wine uh champagne and she guzzles the whole thing all at once 
And then she walks to the bar and then she holds the glass under her chin. So that is like, it's showing us that she's reverting back to her prior programming of party favor girl. So as you, we will see later that there are plenty of young models that are just giving themselves to the people at the party. And Bill finds two of them. We'll see later. We'll see that, right. Yeah. So she is reverting to her prior programming. She's not next. She's not with Bill anymore. She is uh, by herself. And all of a sudden that kind of bubbles up again. And so she's standing there with her drink and that's like an advertisement. She's like her face over the drink. So this is a gentleman. At the party notices her. But it's also symbolic in the occult. The women are, are likened to a chalice or yes. this thing. So th she's actually a symbolic representation. And right. you can see the layman of OTO. Good it's thing. The, the dove and the chalice. So she's there's some very clever stuff going on. That's there. interesting. I didn't even think of that, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, so he puts his glass down. He notices her and he knows the protocol. He knows how to get her. There's a certain way of doing it to access her programming. So he knows how to use the party favors. So, cause he's a regular at these parties, right? So he puts his drink down and then the next shot. Uh, Is this the one? I think he's putting his drink down here and then he goes to this one. Yeah. Right? And then she, she notices the side of her eye. She can see what's going on. Like, and then she puts her drink down in front of him. So that's like the next step, right? And I guess we can't really see. Oh, there it goes. Okay. So that's she puts drink down, right? right. She puts her drink down in front. He's watching her do this action. And then we go to the next and one. He grabs the, the drink, right? Right, exactly. He grabs the drink and then he guzzles the whole thing all at once. And she says, Oh, I think that's my glass. And you can skip to the next one. And he says, oh, I'm absolutely certain of it. He knows what he's doing. And she says, oh. And then as he finishes that, that guzzle, her face changes. And she smiles. Like in the next one, you'll see. Uh, she gets a big smile on her face. And then all of a sudden, now she is linked to him with her programming. Now like she, she just blinked, right? Yeah. Yeah, like now she is she's his party favor now. You know, that's how that's how the programming works. And then so now she's happy and he says his name and he kisses her hand, blah blah blah. And he mentions he's Hungarian. I think that makes a that relates later to the Eastern European uh heraldry heraldic shields that we see later. And um, the Habsburgs are related. Uh, oh, this is great. This one here. So he's asking her, have you ever read the Latin poet Ovid on the art of love? And if you see Kubrick is such a genius, look at the framing of this shot. Look at the light of the lights. It, there's a string that runs from his mouth to her ear. Wow. Like he's speaking magic spell to her in her ear. And if you understand about Ovid, Ovid wrote two big, he wrote Metamorphosis, which wow. relates to butterflies. Wow. <laughs> and it's, you know, and Ovid also wrote The Art of Love is Ars Amatoria, which uh, 
teaches people about the different pleasures of lovemaking and having love. The first two are to teach men how to get a woman. And the third one is for women to try different experiences. In the third one, the it's suggested that old women try young and old lovers like this right but it's a, it's it's for the elite right he wrote it for kind of a different class so it was it right. wasn't for kind of illiterates it was like a sophisticated right it was for the sex elite. manual almost yes yes exactly and so basically he's telling her in a roundabout way hey you should you should fornicate with old people too. I'm an old guy. Hey guy, you know, like, Hey, let's, uh, like you know, coming on strong. Exactly. Coming on strong. And so she understands, but, you know, and then he says, Oh, we can dance. She's like, Oh, but I'm married. And he says, yeah, but we can dance. Right. And she's like, okay. And you know, her programming wants her to be dancing with him, but she has other programming, which is she's, she's the mother now instead of the maiden. So like she, so there's that competing, in her mind and we'll see that later when when they're dancing together um so he's okay he says he has some friends in the art game that is huge because uh we will see later that art plays a huge role in this movie um uh it's a recurrent theme you've got the statuaries you've got Yes. Uh, the masks are art. You've got the heraldry. You have the story of Vitali, who Vitali really is. Yeah. Um, so you have like he says he has friends in the art world. He's yes. saying something like an inside statement to her. Exactly. It's he's not telling, just casual con commentary. Right. And he's telling us there's a game in the art, and if we pay attention to it, we can understand more, and like we, it can be revealed more. So he's telling, he's saying he can, maybe he can be of some help. And as he will be actually, as we, you know, go along. As it progresses, uh, right. With Ishtar in the back. So you can see this within yes. this kind of like. Ishtar is like Ishtar, fire. Uh, and, you know, what do you call it? Kind of like even as a, a ritualized yeah. event. Yeah. Right. So another thing about the cult of Inanna, there's, there's the main intercourse between the priest and the priestess but there's also a prostitution factor so there are maidens who are uh, given to the cult as before they're before they're women and so that they're pure and then if you if you being a uh, someone who's going to the church of Inanna if you pay money to the to the maidens that are there you are you get to fornicate with them and in so doing it erases your sins <laughs> so it's basically it pays for the church it's how the church gets their money so it's that's how they become powerful that's how it becomes this big thing that's uh you catholic know catholic church did the same thing yeah, the indulgences, right? Indulgences, right? Yeah. And like, uh, I mean, so basically the women aren't allowed to say no. The women that are in the cult of Anana, they aren't allowed to refuse. That's a sin if they say no to having sex. So they're all the whore of Babylon. That's what the whore of Babylon does. It takes all comers, right? That's why she's a whore. And 
also she's not the women aren't allowed to restrict their lovemaking to only one person they have to give it to everybody um and it's it's like giving your kid to the priesthood to become a priest it's like uh you your family is happy to give and it like it's a blessing on the on your family and uh crazy and i mean it goes right so it goes right from her talking to her to her and then it inverts and these girls talking to yes so yes so we get to see she's acting just like them she alice is all bubbly and you know sexual and you know enamored with this with the hungarian and that's the same way that these two women are being to bill and he just happened to find these women are just at the party hanging around and they're you know this is how they interact with the the males at the party so she asks do you know nuala windsor her name is windsor just like the royal family of england and then later uh in the next slide i think she says that she was at Rockefeller Plaza. Right. So, so she throws in Windsor and Rockefellers right back. Right. Back, right? Exactly. Oh, so that's right. telling us who they are. And then now this, okay, this is the next I mean, one. let me go back and see if I can find this Rockefeller one. Okay. That one is uh 1047. Rockefeller. So that should be it. Yeah. So she's doing a photo session. She's a model and she does, she works for Rockefeller basically. So as w- what we know about SRA is they will use these, these women as actresses, models, like, you know, look at Marilyn Monroe, look at Britney Spears, you know, all of these, type, the, the whole gamut. Uh, they're, they're used as models in their prime, the prime space of their life, you know, while they're fertile, you know. Um, so then they're taking him, to where the rainbow ends and this is at 12 minutes and 21 seconds so it's like uh oh wait 21 21. you want to go where the rainbow ends right yeah do you want and where the rainbow ends is uh it relates to the elite of new york in the early 1900s there was this place called uh uh, I forget, but it was where all of the harem, like all the rich people in New York lived. And it was, they, people called it uh, where the rainbow ends because that's where the, the gold was, but really where the rainbow ends, there's no gold. The, the, uh, the leprechaun is, is uh, fooling you. You know, there is no real, not really any gold at the end of the, but anyway, uh, where the rainbow ends specifically that, title uh, that those words specifically are the title of a christmas book from 1911 and it's an english book which the english people would read it and it would be like uh it would uh bolster their um their national pride because one of the main characters was uh saint something shit i gotta find it in my notes but he had like the templar cross the white with the red cross mm-hmm. and he would show up um and save the day but basically in this book it's about children that lose their parents and where the rainbow ends is a book within the book 
that these characters, these children read in this library where there's a magic carpet and they ride the magic carpet to the place where the rainbow ends to find lost loved ones. They are the, where the rainbow ends is where you find lost loved ones. And that relates exactly to what's happening because Helena is kidnapped at the end of this film. Right. So Helena or is, she walks away willingly. I mean, I, Depends yeah. how you want to interpret that. Right, they're programmed wants, to do. It's it's very important because right in the next scene, right, they walk by her abductor slash exactly whatever. Yes. And in Room Two Thirty Seven, which is a documentary about uh, Kubrick and finding interesting, you know, things layered into Kubrick films, uh, this was floated as one of the theories that the two gentlemen at the base of the stairs here under this statue are the same two gentlemen that are in the toy store at the end of the movie. And we've got screenshots of that too that we'll show. But they do look very similar. It's I'm very pretty sure similar. it's them. I'm yeah. pretty sure too, but I can't really it's tough with my the resolution. I need to have like better resolution of my my film. But anyway, well moving on. So Ziggler um uh is pulling up she's nude in the next one. You might not want to do this one for the yeah, YouTube. Uh, but if you he's going upstairs, he gets called upstairs by yes. Ziegler. These guys are with their wives. Ziegler was with his wife earlier, right? right? And then he's upstairs in front of nude artwork. Yes, that uh, we can talk pants. about that one. So, like, we'll uh, double zero thirteen thirty one is just the painting, it's not the naked woman. So, um, the thirteen thirty one full frame, Paula, six months on red. So the name of that painting, it was painted by Christiane Kubrick. Uh, that was his wife? Stanley, Stanley's wife, yes. She's a painter. And uh, all, the, all the paintings in Bill and Alice's home are by Christiane. Oh, and uh, uh, the film or the painting here, that one is... Uh, this is Sidney Pollock. I know yeah, which one. It, I'm not going to show it. It's too lurid. Okay, okay. So I'll describe it. It's, ba it's full frame painting and it's a it's a naked pregnant woman on red pillows so it's called uh, paula six months on red and so the red relates to the naked woman in the chair right there under the painting so it's like it's you know mirrored right there and then it also relates to further in the movie there's a red carpet where sex happens and the women, the maidens at that party are being impregnated. That is the idea. That's what is happening at the ritual. They're being impregnated. And in that shot where you're looking up and you see Ziegler's face in front of this painting, his lips are directly over where the pregnant woman, if, if Ziegler wasn't there, her vagina would be exposed. But instead, his head is there and his lips are where her vagina is. So that, in a sense, is saying that his lips are going to speak out what is the message that this that this uh, painting is impregnated with, you know. And later on in the billiard room, he kind of does speak it out, uh, but it's veiled 
and we'll see that later. So this, mm. uh, so this shot here, he looks, he asks Bill if he can get her out of there. And Bill says uh, that you should wait another hour. And he looks at his watch like, oh, another hour. He repeats another hour and he looks at his watch and me uh, being, you know, just thinking, I wonder what would happen if I skipped it ahead exactly one hour. And if you skip it to one hour, 17 minutes and 49 seconds, that's the moment when Mandy at the ritual in the mask is kissing Bill in his mask. It's that. So Mandy on the couch right there. It's me. Yeah, it is. It is Mandy. And Mandy's also the one in the mask. So this is telling us that the movie self-synchronizes with itself in one hour. And if you stop it, like any of the important points, and then you skip it ahead one hour, it relates to what you're watching. It's crazy. So um, if you skip ahead one hour, you'll see the ritual scene. And then if you skip ahead another hour after that, it's uh, it's Bill and um, and Alice at the toy store, I think. Wow. Crazy. So like crazy. and there it's all he has all those very important. Yes, things not sequenced. he calls them non submersible units. <laughs> so like he Kubrick is as is known for having a contempt for narrative. He doesn't, he's, he's a photographer, you know, he's making images and like he, he makes movies like a dream. And in your dreams, you remember these certain points, these non-submersible units, as he calls them, where they stay there and you can, they're liminal and you can recall them, but the rest of it falls away under the subconscious. So, um, the way there's like, you know, the way he makes a film is he'll take like six or seven non-submersible units. Uh, and he he links them together. And then so this shot here, this is Alice and um, and Helena, Helena under or like at the breakfast table. And they have Bugs Bunny on the TV screen and Bugs Bunny is reading from a green book. And if you look right in front of Helena, she's reflected in the cover of a green book. And on the cover, on the spine, it says how the Grinch stole Christmas. Right. <laughs> Helena is stolen. Like, so, but that also relates to The Shining. There's a scene in the beginning of The Shining, and that's in The Shining file, uh, if you wanted to bring that up. Shining screenshots. Yep. So they're uh, having dinner too, right? They're having breakfast, breakfast also. And uh, they're at the breakfast table. And... Uh, mom is reading also and you see there at the <laughs> breakfast table and he's watching bugs bunny at this wow. moment you can hear him or yeah, doesn't he book. impersonate the rabbit during uh yes during he does and his nickname is doc, doc. because and and What's uh up, doc? yes exactly so that ties this movie to eyes wide shut in that scene it's tying helena to uh to danny so Danny is experiencing the same. And if you know about The Shining, you'll learn that it's really about child abuse and how like alcoholism and and pedophilia, really. 
Like she has this, when she talks to the, when Wendy talks to the doctor, who's a psychiatrist, she's telling the story that they have prepared about how, how why, how he got hurt. And then when, after he got hurt, he has an imaginary friend that it's this, his personality split. It's Tony is another self of Danny, you know? So he gets his, he gets his consciousness split. Exactly. Crazy. And this book, Catcher in the Rye, is a notorious mind control book. All these guys have had a chat yes. and has been reading it. Yes. So That's... you can tell how much Kubrick knows. Like he knows exactly. Yes. It's really incredible. And there's a hint in that whole uh, shining that the dad is a stone cold pedophile. He's exactly. reading in one of the sequences, he's reading a men's porno mag, right? Yes. Like a... uh, Playgirl. Playgirl. And right. if you look up that exact copy of Playgirl, that issue. There's an article about pedophilia. <laughs> it says like, why do why do parents want to have sex with their kids or some shit? It's like an article. And if we know about Playboy, uh, Playboy is connected to Kinsey. Playboy is it's it's a whole. It the entire thing was promoted and put into the into the consciousness of of uh, by who Rockefeller exactly <laughs> who, who supported Kinsey Rockefeller Foundation exactly yep. it all comes back around yes it just shows you how much operation. Kubrick knew exactly he was really sublime. <laughs> that's great and, and, and so it, we, it actually ties in here because it ties into this film it shows how much Kubrick knew about pedophile. Um, symbolism which you'll see at the end of this film which is the teddy bear right yes there's the teddy bear here so that shows and then in the end of of at the toy store we see that helena has an affinity for teddy bears um and uh just she, being in the toy store is the symbol of society so the toy, toy store finalizes and brings everything together that's in the whole film yes and we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it because there's a bunch. But uh, but like you know, Danny, uh, is is a, a, a attached to the teddy bear, and it's a pillow. It's like not e it's like for sleeping. It's not even a regular teddy bear, you know. So we as if we already understand the shining, shining. When did the shining bring, come out? Do you remember what year that was? Off that was eighty one or two or something. Um. I'm not sure. So it was but, much earlier than this. 1980. Right. Yes. So it was two, 20 years before he was still, he had that in his mind. So Yeah. And right in, yeah. the after he did 2001 A Space Odyssey, he wanted to do Eyes Wide Shut. And it just took that long for him to get to it. And I think it was because he was layering other things in with his other movies. I think he was making his tapestry. His, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, his entire career relates to itself. You know, it's yeah. a big chess game, and he's but he's but he's not unique in that sense. But I think because he had such a wide, knowledgeable frame of reference, it plays out much different than any other kind of director. Yes, he's done multiple films, so yeah, yeah, he's got those things. And you can go back. I mean, we haven't got to Lolita, so you can see Lolita to Shining to Eyes Wide Shut, pedophilia, yes. pedophilia, pedophilia. Right. Oh, yeah. It was after Lolita he wanted to do Eyes Wide Shut. Sorry, it wasn't 2001. After Lolita, he was going to do that. Um, and Lolita, I mean, they were like, how can you make a movie about Lolita? Like, just him making a movie is so, is such a big deal, you know? Okay, here we, that was a good, that's a good one here. This is, uh, Alice is grooming, literally grooming wow. Helena. 
And if you look behind her hand in the drapery, they're upside down green stars. She's grouped like right at the point where her hand is holding and she's grooming it into her hair is Satanism. It's the symbol of Satanism. And then if you look at the, there's a painting which looks almost to be painted by Helena. There's a panda bear on the wall. And if you know about extreme pedophilia, um, panda is related to that because the extreme sodomy. Don't have to get into the whole details. But right. really it makes brutal. their eyes go black. Super brutal. But they yes. had that panda theme in the Pizzagate. Yes. Um, Instagram pages. I remember that. They call yep. it, they knew what it meant. It's exactly. so freaking sick. Exactly. And it just like so in Lolita in the very beginning, he knows what ping pong tables are all about. He puts a ping pong table in the middle of this rich ornate person like ornate rich person's it's home. It's out of place. Yes, it's exactly. out of place for a normal person. Yes. And then or he even somebody else, yeah. Right. And like I, I I took a screenshot of that too, where he says, Let's play Roman ping pong, you know. So like there's a it's, it's really it's deep. so this is so yeah, it's so <laughs> Kubrick, yeah. Having this stuff in here makes me think the rumors of Kubrick being a pedophile are more true. Well, then I mean I he's no this is pre-internet type stuff. Yes. This is right at the blooming of the beginning of the I internet. think that he so was, you would have had to have gotten that information. I think he was witness to it and he knew about the information and I think that he didn't agree with it. And that's why he's exposing it here. And I think that's why they killed him because he is exposing it. And if you, if you look at, I mean, after Lolita, maybe he takes his whole family and like he moves to England and, and lives like a hermit kind of doesn't want to lives like him. a hermit. Exactly. It's just him and his family alone in their house yeah. uh you know he talks on the phone with everybody he's right. constantly but he's on the not phone. moving around very much and not exactly not mixing with people everything's brought no. into him he and all of his films much. are filmed in london uh, like he moved there so that he could still make films and not be in hollywood because hollywood is such a evil debaucherous hell pit um dude there's a lot of stuff like this going on in hollywood a yes. lot of programming and a lot of oh things. yeah yeah like hollywood is built for that like if you look at disney world disneyland it's built for sra programming and torturing children you know on the so off hours they yeah, bring the so children in if you read bryce taylor like well, if you they, accept those stories are true yeah. however there's a lot of weird these people are sick man right they are yeah. so they think yeah. totally different and that's what the inside of this film is is you're exactly. looking at a completely different Type of mentality. Yeah, mentality is totally different. Right. The elite in the in the world are totally different. They have a completely different culture than the workday people. Exactly. Exactly. And she's just looking in mirrors the whole time. So Alice yes. is looking through the mirrors just the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. She's obsessed she's with her reflection. In the looking glass. And if you read, like um, uh, Fritz Springmeier will teach us that mirrors are used in programming. And like even Bryce Taylor and stuff, they'll tell you that. Um, they do, they'll spin the victim, the child, like a bunch, they'll do spinning, spinning, and then they'll, they'll make the kid the, look at a mirror and say, I'm Sharon now, this is Sharon, you know, when it's really uh, Alice or something. And it, it's like the, it brings up the altar of the other. So um, 
mirrors can be used by the by the uh, abused individual to bring up altars, and it could be. Um, I just wanted to show how gross that cannabis was, man. That's <laughs> just the worst. But uh, so cannabis thins the veils like that. We we've learned from like that's why cannabis is illegal. That's uh, the elite hate cannabis. So when when a victim of SRA programming smokes cannabis, it makes the 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 uh, walls between the partitions between the minds become thinner. And then uh, the subconscious can bubble out things that are meant to be held down. So that smoking cannabis is like the worst sin for a SRA victim. The, the, um, the owners of the victims definitely do not want them smoking cannabis. It's because it, 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 it loosens down kind of yes. the, 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 the programs that are built up the programming right exactly yes so then she's asking about those two girls because she knows what those girls are they're party favors she knows that they're hookers and you know they it's the cult of inana with all the prostitutes and they're you know making fertility like they're it's christmas is the beginning of the sun you know it's like so they're adding to that fertility so they do it every year and like and um, also the Nutcracker is, is a Christmas play, which is always played at Christmas. And it's the and I forgot to say earlier about how um, Christmas, uh, the fact that the Nutcracker has children in the play and it's the only it's the first or uh, opera or, or you know musical or whatever that has children. So all of the ballet schools use this, you know, the Nutcracker. And so in doing that, like they put on this presentation of the Nutcracker and they have all the and then the the pedophiles that work at these ballet schools have all of these moments alone with these kids where they can, you know, and that's the same as Hollywood. Like if you look at any of the Disney Channel TV shows, they got all these extras that are all running through that are basically victims for the people that are on the set. And some of those shows on the Disney Channel are only there for the excuse to have pedophilia. And the more you learn about it, the more, the more you, you learn about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, like those, some of those shows, they were just all freaking pedophiles. Right? That's yeah. why they were in there. And they put yeah. in really dark sexual humor into some of those shows, it's like gross. that the kids would not know about, but the adults would. Yeah. So really it's... sick stuff. And one of those main guys. On a plane to Pedophile Island, Epstein's Island. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a, it's a rumor. I think that Dan Schneider was rumored to be involved in all kinds of nasty stuff. They shut yeah. down his Nickelodeon. I don't think it was Disney, but there were rumors about sure. that guy, and all those shows were dark. And he <laughs> was supposedly on the one of the planes to Epstein Island. That makes total sense. Yeah. And by chance, this stuff to... is real. This stuff is just, real. This is just, what uh... the average person doesn't see. Exactly. It's, but it's still happening. Sure. And I mean, you just said the word Nickelodeon. Do you know what that is? Do you know what a Nickelodeon is? I thought it was like some kind of machine or something. Like yes, that. it's a machine. It's a booth. It's a jerk-off booth where you go in and you pay a nickel. It's a Nickelodeon. You put the nickel in and it uh, that then a, a, a it's like a window and the, the curtain goes up when you put the nickel in and there's a naked woman on the other side. 
and it's a it's a private place for you to to beat your meat or whatever and then it wasn't originally but it became a peep show machine oh the earliest films were showed peep show machines protective obvious theaters other live acts so that's so that's it's known for being a peep show machine and then what is nickelodeon television it's a peep show machine for pedophiles and the kids are getting slimed you know with like goo and it's just it's really, it's really it's, sick. It's, it's really sick. sick. Yeah. So, I mean, anyway, so that's, yeah. So let's, let's keep going. Uh, so there's a, yeah, let's go. Let's go. So to they the have house. this I mean, argument and he learns about how she, she wants to make him jealous. And, uh, and then that like, but that's really, that's how it all starts. So his right. journey is about her uh, love, uh, sex life or whatever. And that sends him on his own you know, dream land journey through a bunch of different people. Right. Exactly. That is like, that's where he steps yeah. off. He gives him that desire and himself where like, you know, and, and all the viewers, the regular viewers that are in marital relationships can all relate at like, maybe there was this time when you maybe thought or you could, or like you want to get back at somebody or, you know, that, so that's how all of the regular viewers can relate to this film and like, Oh, it's just a story of a couple who is having a rocky patch and it's just a, you know, understanding the dreams and the desires, but there's obviously there's more it. to it's it. It's part of it. It right? is. The Fidelio, the exoteric. It is the theme of fit. Right. Right. It's yeah. Not it's the yeah the exoteric the top surface right is the story about infidelity fidelio right and then the occult thing but there's a lot yeah there's but fidelio itself if you look at like fidelio was beethoven's only opera and that relates to clockwork orange ludwig van is beethoven was a huge element in clockwork orange so that brings all those elements in of the programming and so but uh also, Fidelio is uh, was commissioned by the same person who commissioned the Magic Flute by Mozart. It's oh, wow. so it's like kind of an extension of that, um, you know, Masonic, uh, Masonic, Masonic revelations exactly. And um, Fidelio, the what happens is there's an anarchist named Floristan who is kept as a political prisoner. And then his wife dresses up as a as a man guard to go into this prison to set him free. And if you think about it, if you loosely think about the themes, that relates to Ishtar, who goes into the underworld to release Tammuz. And it's it's like the same story kind of and, and the same thing where Mandy goes to the ritual space she's like down in the underworld and she releases bill from his certain death that you know it's so it's basically folding in uh fidelio and it it folds in uh you know these other elements uh, like of inanna as well this is the same story just told in a different way you know, this is his version of telling the goddess myth of going down in the underworld. And it's also a description of the life span of all of these whores for the elite. Um, 
you know, we get to see Helena is the baby, you know, seven years old. And then we see Lily Soblieski is the pubescent one who is being used as a prostitute. And then we see the, the hookers at the party or the, you know, the models. And then here, this hooker, Domino, is another one. I think she's in the cult too, but that isn't really... Uh, right. it's, it's just it's, it's, that. it's not over and, yeah. right and um, uh, so these Domino, then, by the way is another name for the masks right so the masks that they oh, use so right. she's like a mask too and so it's, she that that's t- p- placing her name as domino means that she might be one of the masks she has masks on the walls of her bedroom she has tribal masks, like African tribal masks. And if you just before we get off of this one, you'll see that her jacket is uh, is the Masonic square and compass. If she's zipped up, she there would be the square going up square, and then the compass wow. coming down from her neck, that blue line. So that that isn't that I, I learned that online. That one isn't my revelation, but I just wanted to show it that that's that's true. That's it's there. That's so crazy. she's branded with masonry. And then in the next shot, she's uh, her head is framed. The masks. Yes, yeah. the masks. The head is framed within a mirror, <laughs> and she's she's got masks all up on her walls. Wow! So she's like a witch in a mirror. Wow! That's so yes. Crazy. And like I didn't get she a has screenshot. A witch broom? Is that a witch? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it looks like. Oh, it looks like know. a rose, like a glass rose, and that could be Rosicrucianism. I mean, wow. I, but it and so. Uh, I didn't get a screenshot, but when he goes to the other wall, there's another mirror with one candle in front of it, like the candle being burned in front of a mirror. That might be more ritual. Who knows? So skip, skip ahead to the next one. And you'll see that she has a stuffed tiger on her bed. And that relates to kitchen programming, right? Well, it's what say that again. Kitchen programming. Yeah. Sex kitten. Right. Beta, beta sex kitten programming. And later at the toy store, we'll see that is a heavy theme. It's there. So it comes back. Yeah. Yes. It's just like he's putting little things throughout the movie and then it f- finds up at the end right. at the toy yes. store. It's all. So, and then that's kind of like the way it's perceived with eyes wide shut is that they're not fully realized concepts. It's just like their little kitty toys are cartoonish. So he cartoonizes everything that he had earlier. Right. Is, yeah. yeah. And it's like a way of bringing back those themes from the non-submersible units. Okay. So this one, this one is pretty esoteric. He's uh, Bill is walking down the stairs and it's like red walls, mirrors on both sides. So he's walking down into the mirror world and above him, the lighting fixture is a tesseract. It's a double cube. So this behind him on the wall, on the ceiling, he's walking down under the Tesseract, walking down into this realm. And the Tesseract is a very satanic symbol. It is an extrude, extruded cube. So basically there's like a cube within another cube and it's, it's like a cage. It's perpetually held within by the outer cube. Uh, it kind of the Satanists related to this reality in their Gnostic way of thinking, like they're kept in this prison of reality, but also it relates to how they apply it to the mind control of others. So um, somebody that like they'll use Tesseract symbolism 
to describe the realm of of their of their mind control. Uh, their right. If influence. you control the mind, you control the body. Hence, the cube within a cube. Right. That's what and and yes, like uh, so that so you will see the tesseract in a lot of places. Like uh, Polanski uses a tesseract sometimes. Uh, Kubrick uses tesseract. The band Tool has a two-dimensional representation of the tesseract on their drum kit um like it's it's a very occult symbol and the the idea of the trapezoid like a tesseract the, the inner square the inner cube is being held in by the outer cube and on every corner is a trapezoid holding it in the trap and the trapezoid again is a very satanic uh uh, shape, symbol. I guess, yeah, symbol. symbol, yes, yeah. and like if you look into satanic orders, like there's the order of the trapezoid in right. the Church right. of Satan and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like these, uh, this relates to the mind control and to the you know the deeper levels of control of humanity. So, like, this is him stepping down into this world, and the red is like Malkuth, like the lowest and the lower, um, chakra, the 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 base down, you know, w walking right. down from, uh, from above. So that, I just wanted to include that here. Um, right. No, I mean, it's like symbol of hell. I mean, you could just, you exactly. Could, never going down the stairs. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the next one is Fidelio. Um, We've already kind of uh, talked about, we that. did kind of talk about it and it relates to Kubrick, uh, clockwork orange. And, um, if you if you look in the um, Clockwork Orange screenshots, you will you will find the billiard table photograph, and that shows there's like a couple. I got it. Okay, good. Thank you. Sorry, it's so hard. I wish I had. No, I got it. It's all good. Okay. Um, so if you could, uh, if you can see here, this is, there's Beethoven playing on these speakers and these speakers are on the billiard table and he's playing with red billiard balls on the billiard table. He's like tossing them across. Yeah, it's and a then, snooker table, I think. Yeah. But. Yeah. And, and if you look and a snooker is to be snookered is like a term in English to be like conned you know worked. yeah conned exactly so the uh, gentleman behind the table is looking at the artwork and you see on the artwork is the maiden i don't i mean i can't tell if that's inana but maybe <laughs> you know he's looking at the painting that's the bodyguard right that's the big tough bodyguard i believe I so. so they they work for this the guy at the table right. who's right. the rich right he, he got you got beat up by Alex Delard, right? Right. And you see we have big speakers on both sides and the speaker on the billiard table. And that relates to the end scene of Eyes Wide Shut, where we have a red billiard table as opposed to green or cyan. Right. And then the uh, uh, Ziggler is speaking like he's a speaker <laughs> at the billiard table. And then this painting or the, the the guy behind is telling us to look at the paintings to look at the 
at the framed images in Eyes Wide Shut in the billiard room. So like these non-submersible units, while you're watching Eyes Wide Shut, you might think of this scene from Clockwork Orange that he's already put in your mind 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Oh, crazy. It's, it's fantastic. It's so the, uh, so that is where, so the Beethoven is like the, the, uh, the power that sends Alex out the window once it makes him want to kill himself. Right. But it's and also it, what sends him into other stuff too. Like he has his relationship with women he beats his friend when she's singing Beethoven, right? Oh, right. So Beethoven is very key to as yes. a fucker. And, and the government uses Beethoven, I think his ninth or whatever, along with, and he, they play that along with the, uh, the ultraviolence on the screen while they're like dropping water in his eyes and he's like held down, has to watch all the yeah, violence. The Ludovic method is what they called it. Yeah, the Ludovic. So, yeah, so he's like, he, he's keyed into this whole, exactly. you know, coercive control, mind control theme. Totally. He knows all. He knows it all the way back to Clockwork Orange before, before yes. The Shining. Exactly. Yes. And so, uh, I mean, from Lolita, of course, like, because he's friends with, he's friends with Arthur C. Clarke, you know, right. and that he got, you know, that guy's a famous pedophile, and he moved to Sri Lanka so he could do that to little boys you know you so, can have he, a lot of those stories were suppressed so if yeah. you get my book children of the beast if you're listening you can go i had saved all of those things where he admits to being at a pool uh a ping pong place paying kids and uh that's was that was his thing exactly that's why he was there you could have access yeah there is actually i have a uh if we could share screens i could show you but um, Arthur C. Clarke used to have a show called Amazing Stories or something yeah. Yeah. where he would talk about like ancient aliens basically right. and there's one, there's one episode where he opens I think it's like episode number nine of the first season he opens the show with him playing ping pong with a little like an 18 year old Sri Lankan boy wow. and he says this is my partner <laughs> wow so he's doing the inside joke too dude wow. it's See, they like all have these inside jokes if wow. you if you look at um i think it was on the either the occult rejects or new york patriots show i like i did an episode where i explained that i showed that clip and there's at 17 minutes exactly he's standing and there's you can see behind him that on a checkerboard pathway in Get the distance out. behind him, there's a guy standing with his arm, his arm, like his chin, his, his chin on his arm and like the rest of his hands in the square, you know. So like it's an advertisement for Freemasons saying, hey, this place in Sri Lanka where I live, you know, Colombo, oh, Colombo or whatever. Get, you can get lucky or whatever. with exactly. Yep. And he says and like Arthur C. Clarke is in the front of the photograph and he says, there may be something very important behind this. And like, as before it clips to that, it goes, Oh, well reading the tea leaves. And then they clip to him and he says, there might be something very important behind this. And if you look directly behind him, you can see the guy. Oh, look at him playing ping pong. Gross. He's playing ping pong with the guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, yuck. Yeah. That's his favorite. Mm -hmm. There are some more. Oh, A nasty. lot of him playing <laughs> ping pong. 
Yeah. I should have got some screenshots of that. Maybe next, maybe the next episode we do, we'll talk about that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you in an email, but um, I can send you that whole episode so you can see for yourself. Cause uh, at, you know, and so like Arthur C. Clarke, he's friends with Arthur C. Clarke and uh, Christiane Kubrick, you know, in interviews talks about how they, uh, she and Stanley loved Arthur's books and like they would always read science fiction and they were, you know, they were voracious readers and he was delighted to work with Arthur C. Clarke. And I'm sure that he was introduced to the proclivities that they have. And I don't, I'm, you know, I can't say I'm not him, but I don't think he did. I think that if he was going to do that, he would have had a life where he would have stayed in Hollywood, where he would have had access to kids and Kubrick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I the mean, way were, the only the only rumor that I had was from Crazy Days and Nights that he abused right. the girl who was Lolita. Right. That he and, was Humbert Humbert or whatever. Like they. Right. And that's oh, all yeah. I've got. That's the Humbert, only thing that. It, Humbert Humbert, uh, the yeah. guy that that wrote uh, Nabokov, the guy that wrote Lolita, he's a pedophile, and like he was so Nabokov was a pedophile. Yeah, like uh, he pretty much in well, I've, I'm assuming because of every one of his books has that as a theme of young, loving young women, like little women. And in Lolita, she was like 12 or whatever. In the in the movie Lolita, she was like 16 because you had you couldn't have her be 12, you know. So Kubrick took his liberties, but um, in Nabokov's books, uh, it's a recurrent theme happening like in all of it. and uh and he was abused as his uncle would abuse him and like you know so there's that cycle of abuse and um but i forget where i brought it up novikov I forgot but it was to going about. back whether kubrick was involved he knew clark they wrote 2001 right. together and he kind of sh- shafted clark well, he, and if you read through clark's books they are full of occultism yes. uh, numerology all the all the the whole thing totally and actually kubrick puts numerology into his films you can go back and yeah. look at dr strange love he puts 93 in there mm-hmm. it's called uh plothorium 93 or whatever he adds yeah. it right at the end yeah and well, also it, in this film kubrick puts in a seven very clever 77 which ties into crowley's babylon b-a-b-a-l-o-n and you can see that in my take on this film before yours uh but yours is definitely a i didn't cover any of the mind control so you have tons <laughs> more information but my take i kind of saw the scarlet woman mirrors 77s and they pulled that same stunt in um oh god stranger things they do the same kind of funny verbal word plays right yeah and i think it's because um they want like they get a kick out of revealing it like they if they can layer it in and show the other ones that also know they you know it's like an inside joke almost you know what i mean that plus like the mans rea like the rule of if you tell them before you do it to them and they don't object then that means that they like it you know and that's their dark morality that they have so uh, this one is quick it's just that he's showing his medical board card but if you look in the window behind him it says eros e-r-o-s like the 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 neon so it's like that's 
his destination like that's his what his will is eros and he's meeting this millich guy uh so we can skip through but no it's interesting because if you watch his character he's constantly bribing or manipulating people with money or his authority so you kind of almost see this kind of carnality in his character and, and it, yeah, so. it's like trust the doctor. I'm a doctor. There goes. Right. So he's using the mind control that everybody else has for his own benefit. Like everybody is under the mind control of money. You know, no, I don't want to do that. What if I give you a hundred dollars? Oh, okay. Doesn't he do that to the cabbie or something? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So this one, this picture is big. This so this guy is a costume shop. Like why does he have such security? Look at this cage and the alarm is going meaner, meaner. And like they're entering and he says, Oh, you can never be too careful these days. Really? The guy's got shoes and coats. Why does he need that? Who's going to steal that? But really, if you think about his customers, his real customers, it all makes sense. And when you learn more about Lily Soblieski further on, You'll see why, because he's not just a costume shop. So this, he asks, I need a tux, cloak, hood, and mask. And Millich, the guy that owns the shop, knows exactly what he's talking about. You can see in his eyes, he's like, oh, you're one of them? You're going to the party, right? Exactly. Because he is connected with this same cult. He knows what he knows. Exactly. He works for them. Right. Right. And he says, looks like alive, huh? And these living dolls, right? He's getting the hood and mask to look like a living doll. So this is another uh, reminiscent of the Nutcracker. <laughs> uh, and so <laughs> this is great. Lots when you get into mannequins, you get into yes. the theme of how real we are as people, how real these people are, how mind control can just turn you into a... You know, yeah. robot, right? Total I mean, isn't that really what the mannequin and, represents? Yes. Yeah. Uh, total like uh, sl- slave to do what you want with it. And if you it, earlier you showed the front of the of Milich's shop, it's number ten on black. Like the number of the building, Rainbow Fashions, is ten, and it looks like number ten in England, the Prime Minister's house. You know, it's on black with the white letters or the white numbers, number 10. And then you see like, yeah, and that is like, uh, and then there's a bunch of mannequins displayed in the window. They're a bunch of like (laughs) empty headed, like just wearing costumes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So this this whole rainbow theory, I mean, the rainbow theme goes over somewhere over the rainbow, over the rainbow. Yeah, and earlier there was uh, the shop that's below the Rainbow Fashions. The name of that shop is Under the Rainbow, and the O is a spiral. So that wow. goes with the pedophilia symbolism. So, And then Under wow. the Rainbow makes you think of Over the Rainbow, makes you think of Wizard of Oz, and that relates to satanic ritual abuse programming. Right. So what you just showed now was the uh, the, the the Other Rainbow the room yeah there's another neon rainbow room so like this room is glass room and the uh it's under the rainbow right and then he says what is this he's looking at cheese pizza cp wow, child porn 
There it is. He's like, like Cooper what is this? Teaching us. Yeah. With the inside. <laughs> what the inside is this? So, like, he's teaching the viewers, like, you know, cheese pizza is this, is pedophilia, right? So, like, uh, um, I think I. I think she's covered up. Like One of the interesting things, another theme in this film is they're asking people, would you mind? There's a word mind pops up all the time. Oh, would yeah. you mind this? Uh, Sandor asks her, he wouldn't mind if I danced with you. Right. Would you mind? So they're like really focused on kind of manipulating people. Like you wouldn't mind, right? Like exactly. I'm, yeah. So you see everything. That. It's all a suggestion. That's how they work. Yes. They give you a suggestion and they make you want to take a suggestion. You know, and like so and then the Japanese guys pop out underwear, makeup. Yep. And um, yeah, Lily is she's got a little bit of a nightgown on or whatever. I'm I can just sure I can just sure I, Yeah, thank you. I can just say what where we're at here. What is this cheese pizza? He says, uh, she is a child, like and it's you know, he's yelling at them, throwing throwing stuff. He's very mad. And then she runs behind him. And they're saying, this is preposterous. She invited us here. And he says, can't you see right. she's deranged? You know? And if you look at this lock, this door has two big locks. Slam. Click. Why does it have glass walls and two big locks on the outside of the door? Right. It doesn't make they're locked in a cage. It's so exactly. Crazy. Dude, this is a blackmail room. That's what it is. That Lily is the bait. She invites them there, then he catches them there, and then they have to pay money to get free. That's it's a it's a scheme. So now she's she's telling him you need a cloak lined with ermine. Like you only see that with the subtitles because she's just whispering. But an right. ermine cloak relates to royalty and uh, like hot peerage of the royal family of britain and europe right so it's right. reserved for with the herald very elite aristocrats it's very elite but it, she's telling him two different it means two different things it means that you need one but you aren't one because you don't have one <laughs> right. you're not an aristocrat yeah good point yeah but she likes and him then, you know she's smiling at him uh so he so basically, they, they, I mean, that's called the people used to call the ermine the Napoleon weasel because, like, it, Napoleon's people would wear that. And they would, like, and you'd see it, like, it was the black and white, like, on the, the fuzz, like, the black and white fur. Right. Um, so the, the uh, linings of medieval coronation cloaks and some other garments were usually reserved for high-ranking peers and royalty. And, um, like I said, the heraldic shields had um ermine also to signify their royalty so um that's what meant royalty right exactly so uh, he dreamed of the naval officer the naval officer relates to scientology because right. you know Albert, was yeah exactly he was like a you know crazy for naval stuff and uh and also it relates to the where the rainbow ends book the one of the children in the book where the rainbow ends, he wanted to grow up to be a naval officer. So, and now they're arriving at Somerton. Um, Interesting spelling too. Exactly. It's like, yeah. it's like the old English, uh, the um, pagan summer. Pagan and, spelling, yeah, yeah. And when, and Jay Parker, who is a, 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 
generational, generationally born victim of SRA uh, teaches us that they, when they create a town or a thing, they put TON at the end to signify their, their allegiance or like what it is. So like Boston, uh, Arlington, you know, that type of thing. Uh, so Summerton is denoting it's from the Aten, the, the, the cult of Aten, like the, mm. the, you know, the ruling cult that, that go, the sun worship cult. Right. And mm. then summer, this is uh summer is about fertility. They would have summer fertility rituals. So that's what he's coming up upon and the big ornate gate and these people in tuxes. So, uh, and then we'll see Metmore Towers is the building that it's being held at. Met, uh, Metmore Towers, right. That was the one owned by the Rothschilds, right? Yes, it was built by a Rothschild. And then it was sold later and it became the first national, the became the first portrait gallery ever. And it was mm -hmm. National Portrait Gallery of England. And that's this building here. And incidentally, it's the same building that they used in Eyes Wide or in uh, the Ninth Gate. Wow, that's right. Yeah. So interesting choices. Yeah. So it is like I said, it's Rothschild. Uh, it's not owned by Rothschild anymore. So if you if you try to type into Google, is it a Rothschild mansion? The fact check will say no, it's not. But if you look at its history, it actually was built by Rothschild, and it was sold in the 1800s. So. Um, Anyway, that's the exterior shot. And then moving yeah, and then on. There's, I mean, these things have all, there's just so much stuff here. The green <laughs> yeah. man symbolism. Right. And the intro. And then uh, here, let's see the. There's a, know, there's a swastika too a in of, one of the doors. One of the doors has a swastika. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah, and I didn't see, see that. that. Um, so there's going to be some nakedness we might have to skip through. But. Uh, Okay. But yeah, no, I mean, there's just so much. We don't have to show the, but so basically, I'll just I'll just talk through what was happening at the ritual. So like, he enters the space, and um, the the women, uh, they genuflect, they like bow down along oh, with yeah. the red cloak character bows, and that's like they're bowing to the onlooking spirits. It's like they're welcoming the spirits wow. and uh and then the red cloak bangs his staff and then they they all get naked and that's like showing all the spirits this is the vessels that you will be incorporating in and then uh and then the then he takes a thurible which is like an incense incense uh wafting tool which like puts smoke out um, like in like myrrh or frankincense or whatever they choose, They'll, you'll you'll take some chunks of resin and light it on fire, like or like put chunks of resin on a burning coal, and that's what creates that smoke. And they waft it into churches, and Catholics will remember it from from mass. Uh, but the occultists use it too, so it's used to consecrate a space or a thing, an object to be used in a ceremonial ritual so uh the the um red cloak character the priest high priest is walking in a widdershins fashion 
which is counterclockwise around the circle. And he's swinging the thurible on all these naked women and he's consecrating them for use in the ritual. He's putting God, smoke Jesus. on them. Yeah, so, there's 11 of them too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's another magic number. You can count, you can count that. Uh, so. Right. And if so, that, uh, that might be reminiscent of Crowley. Crowley, Crowley just the number that, of magic in general, but Crowley right. kind of integrated it into everything. Yes. And so like 11 is like the next level past 10, you know? So, uh, this is, this is a nice, uh, uh, G rated shot that we can see he's blindfolded. So this is occultism. He's every, this is occulted to this guy. Right. And he has no and, idea uh, what he's doing. Right. And like the, the red cloak character is swinging the thurible and he's going around circumnambulating in witter shins, which is the left-hand path going counterclockwise around the circle. And so he consecrates them all. And then, uh, and then they all, um, they take a step forward and then they are made to kiss one for one kisses the next and their masks touch. And at the point where their masks touch, the camera lines up the thurible and the smoke is coming up from the kiss. So like hmm. consecrating the kiss and then the kiss goes around in a Wittershins fashion too. Each one kisses the one to the right. So it goes around counterclockwise and the camera is moving Wittershins around the circle on the outside when it's viewing this. Um, so uh, Wittershins is like, is like working against nature. And I kind of spoke about that in the other show that we did where a, uh, a um, sundial, the shadow moves clockwise. So that is how the sun's movement is clockwise. So if you move anti the sun, then that's working against nature, against time, against the natural flow and order of the universe. Um, and in a sense, that's satanic. And uh, also um, necromancy uses um, Wittershin's movements because it's working against the flow of nature to speak with spirits or the dead. And necromancy also uses low guttural tones like shamanism of the ancient days. And this song that that's, that's playing during the ritual is a low guttural groan. Right. And and the, the chant that's being played is a <clears throat> Romanian chant being played backwards. Uh, the words that are being said in the Romanian chant are, and God told his apprentices, I give you a command to pray to the Lord for the mercy, life, peace, health, salvation, the search, the leave, and the forgiveness of the signs of God's children or of the sins of God's children. The ones that pray, they have the mercy and they take good care of this holy place. That backwards would be the exact opposite of that sentiment. So this is right. not a holy place. This is an unholy place. Right. So it's like saying the Lord's prayer backwards or something. Yes. Yes. Um, so that, okay. So uh, yeah, the women, so the women did the kiss and then after they kiss, they, the red cloak tells them to go leave the circle and then they choose a mate and then they go and have intercourse to be inseminated. So that's what the ritual is. 
the maidens are being inseminated by the members of the elite that are in the, in the crowd. And because they have masks and after the first one is chosen, then she goes and has, it's just orgy and has it with everybody. And that way no one is the father. No one has to take responsibility for the baby, you know, and that way they don't have any love for the kid. It can be anonymous. Uh, so then, so these women are, they choose their mate and then that mate has the, has the most chance of make, conceiving a child, right? Um, so that is like, is using synchronicity and um, allowing for the spirit world to affect like who do you choose and what you know what i mean so like these spirits right. that were just in like invited into these the vessels of these women then they become corporeal through the insemination and then these women are going to have babies that are more uh susceptible to dissociation more apt to dissociate so it all falls into the plan. They want to, they want to keep these babies for the, for their later, for the next round of maidens that come along. So they're just keeping the whole sex cult going. Exactly. Like the elite rich, they can't just take any hooker off the street, you know, because that hooker will tell the secrets, will expose them, will do all these things. So they have to breed their own from the from conception and they breed beta sex slaves, which are total mind control slaves, which don't even know consciously that they were at the ritual. They might have a dream and re remember kind of like what Alice does. And that's what Alice has. She has that dream. Exactly. She had all the sex with her. So she was one of them. Exactly. She was one of them. And that's why in the very first shot, she drops her black robe just like they do at the ritual. She's just, she's just an older version of them. And she's now that she was impregnated at the ritual, then now she is mother. And that's her new programming to raise the butterfly for them to steal later when the butterfly becomes old enough. So it's like, it's just a cycle. Like they basically, Alice was impregnated at a ritual herself. And then she chose Bill to be the, the husband and keep a family. You know, she um, convinced Bill that it's his daughter. So Bill raises it with love and they have this home that, you know, and then, so it's basically uh, like the bird that, that puts one of its eggs in a different bird's nest, you know? And it, it's like, uh, they, Bill's home is just a warm place to raise their butterfly until they're ready to harvest it. And that's what to happens the, at the, the end of the film. They take Helena. They take her away. Right. She's done. Yeah. She's taken she's done at the toy store. Just another toy, right? Toy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'll get into that too. Well, oh, we're crap. we're like at two hours, man. Oh man! I mean, I think we should just do a part two. Can we? Cause, yeah, because there's so much more. We haven't even got through all the ritual. I'll find my stuff too. Like Please. I have this one. Watch this. This is a good one. Uh, I have okay. to. I can. This is one I have to play. But the '77 where they're oh, screwing right, right. around. Yeah. 
I have to like turn off my my uh, earbuds. But uh, let's wrap it up. Do you want to do another one next month? Do you have time? Same yeah. time. Yeah, I can. I can do uh, next month, next week, whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll run it back. Um, do you? Where's your contact info? If people want to reach out to you, social media stuff like that. Uh, you can find uh, everything that I do at onegreatworknetwork.com, and I'm under the creators section. Um, they there, I have a page where I put um, like all of my 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 creative works. I did a three hour. Um, talk about eyes wide shut called occult kubrick and the butterfly net and that is uh it, it's available you can find it on onegreatworknetwork.com just got to scroll down you can also find me at wake the dead i have a podcast wake the dead I'll, and i'll put down the show notes thank you um also i i sell t-shirts i make um anarchist designs and um photography like fine art photography on the t-shirts um, you can find that at uh, storefrontier.com slash wake the dead. If you send me that link on the email, I'll do it. So send me your links. So okay. it's again, one great work.com. One great work network. The dead po podcast and then a shirt. Thing. Yes. So and um, on the one great work network, you'll find an email button. You can click that email me um, or in on the, on the, anchor which hosts my podcast wake the dead there's a way to email me there too um so i love to hear from people and like hear what they have to say or you know any like just i, I like i like talking to people and i'm glad that people are listening and i appreciate you having me on the show oh, thank you so much i mean this is so super informative i learned a lot like there's a lot of subtle things in this like you can walk yes. right back like i pick up little pieces from all kinds of different people so um awesome. again it's sean mccann Wake the Dead podcast. Thanks for your time. Very good. Thank you. Okay. I got to run now.